right. Uh, welcome everybody to the Wicked podcast. Uh, the theme this month is Berlin. Uh, I am joined uh, today by four unbelievably talented, amazing, wonderful, stupendous people uh, who are going to maybe introduce themselves. To my right, I'm Harry Hudson Taylor. I'm a musician. And I've been living in Berlin for the last two years, since the pandemic started. I'm Serafina Taylor. I'm also a musician and a vocal coach, and I've been living in Berlin for five years. I'm Jem Bozata. I love the sound of my own voice, which is why I am a singer and a linguist, and why I'm on this podcast. I'm Olivia Buerta. I'm from South Africa, and I've been in Berlin since October last year. And uh, my name is Naniso Tsui. I am... Uh, filling in as the host today, which is pretty much unfortunate for everybody listening. Uh, but I will try to do as good a job as our regular host, Steve. Um, so the theme today is Berlin, and I have prepared an introduction, and let's hope I do justice to it. I was not born of Berlin, but I will most certainly die in its arms. It is the least I can do, after it has molded and cuddled me all these torrid years. Neither the commuter, the plumber, nor even the GAP sales assistants holds any obligation to Berlin. Their contract and duty long lost in the delirium of its noise. It is a lonely thing, a funny paradox in fact, to be surrounded and alone all at once, to be torn and detached from others and from space, to exist within an oddly constructed bubble. That is Berlin. That is not to say that it's an undesirable life, in fact, quite the opposite. For like a stern father has provided me with tough love, often expressed with a leather belt. To be a citizen of Berlin is to be nothing and everything coincidentally, a paranormal existence that confronts and disorientates all at once. It is within this calamitous space that I and all other manner of anonymous bodies find comfort and home. To be known and unknown simultaneously, to not even be required to identify nor be identified by your neighbor by name. To live an incognito life. Well, that is a freedom that only Berlin readily offers. For all of Berlin's attributes, I will confess on occasion I have flirted and even strayed away from it. That is to say that I have desired to escape from Berlin's fumes and claustrophobic embrace. And though the first few breaths of freshness of farm were a relief of different and distant countries, I soon tired and grew bored. For the solitude of other places, of that air, no longer suits my lungs. Perhaps, despite myself, I am in love with Berlin. That's my Berlin. <laughs> Very nice. Um, what is your Berlin story? How did you get here? I got here on Erasmus. Erasmus is a, a study exchange program. And I was here not to study, but to sort of be a a flaneur on the on the wallet of the EU basically and I got here spent a month with zero friends barely going outside walking on the frozen canal um and be very int intro introspective and introverted and then I went to an open mic night for the first time I think in my life to perform and uh I haven't looked back and now I'm a I just still go to open mic nights a whole load but I do it sort of with more professional outlook and, uh, you know, between that Erasmus year and now, I, well, it became pretty apparent to me pretty quickly that um, 
I had to upend my life, move out of Britain, come to Berlin and pursue that uh, musical endeavour here. So that is my Berlin story. Okay, so I, um, I'm actually doing a fellowship. Uh, it's with the DAAD, um, so it's called Artists in Berlin. Uh, and it is quite an incredible uh, opportunity to, to spend a whole year here uh, funded by the German government. And uh, yeah, just kind of, you know, also I can do anything I want. There's no real expectation. Um, it's, it's just about like, exploring and experiencing Berlin. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been just trying to kind of squeeze everything out of this time that I have because I feel like there's so much to see and to do. And uh, especially now with the spring coming, oh, it's here already. I can feel all this energy compared to when I arrived and we went through winter and it was just such a heaviness and I really felt that I couldn't even stay awake <laughs> for most of the you know time um so I slept a lot which isn't what I wanted to do but it just you know and uh yeah and now I can feel like this excitement in the air and uh gonna try and see what that does to my practice as an artist nice one um really enjoyed your prose Nanisa it was beautiful um my Berlin story I, I came here for the first time in 2015 doing a busking tour so I did a busking tour around Europe started in London took the train to Paris to Paris to, L to Amsterdam Amsterdam up to Rotterdam or something and across into Germany and eventually one of the last cities was Berlin and yeah I kind of you know made it it was like people who follow the band that I'm in kind of came along to watch us and it was a way to sell tickets for the shows that we were going to have a, a month later and um, to just drum up support from and managed to sell out this tour that we did around Berlin and then kind of yeah started kind of coming back and forth every year as part of the touring cycle uh, back to Berlin and maybe about 2018 I uh, met a German who became my who's now my ex-partner but I was with for two and a half three years had a long distance relationship so I was coming back and forth to Berlin for a few years and then uh, th that partnership ended at the start of this pandemic that happened I came and just ended up staying in Berlin it felt like a much better place to be for the the pandemic than to be back home in Ireland where they just don't deal with <laughs> any type of situation very well as a as a government you know um so yeah it's pretty I'm pretty new to Berlin but my experience of it so far has been very much the lockdown and then more recently similar to Jem found myself going to some open mic nights and that's expanded my understanding of, of Berlin the other side to it as well for me is like um, in recovery from addiction and I have sort of access to an international community of people who are also in recovery from addiction anywhere I can go in the world and there happens to be quite a big community of people here in Berlin so that's my Berlin story well, my Berlin story is a bit more depressing than that because when Brexit was happening, I had to look at my identity and question whether I felt European or British. And for me, my identity was with Europe, not with Britain. So I then Facebook like messaged all of my closest friends who lived in metropolit metropolitan cities in Europe. And my best friend responded saying, I'm moving to Berlin. So I moved in with her. 
Um, and then I got here and I realized that for a long time I had felt the pressure of being an opportunist living in London and I felt it was a very toxic mindset. And then moving to Berlin, I found the sweet spot between this kind of laid back, more gentle mindset that's more socially um, kind. Whereas in London, everyone's kind of an opportunist of like, what can you do for me? Um, and coming to Berlin, I felt that I could create real deep friendships at the same time as being very flamboyantly queer. Because the first day I arrived here, I saw someone on the U-Bahn, which is like the train here, who was dressed as a rainbow. And I immediately went, ah, I will fit in here. And so that's my Berlin story. That's how it started. And that's five years later. And I feel just as comfortable as I did then. All of my presumptions have come true. So also, I really appreciated Niso's prose and the irony that you've moved to Copenhagen. There is an irony there for sure. Um, there is a, a movie by Woody Allen called Midnight in Paris. And I'm going to kind of steal and kind of change uh, one of the quotes of the movie. And it basically says that Berlin exists and artists choose to live elsewhere is incomprehensible to me. As for artists, what has been your experience uh, living in Berlin as an artist? I have, I have no comparison really because I've never lived anywhere else as an artist, like just before this, I was I was a student and I was sort of being launched into a world of maybe academia or other things that might have been options to me. My, my friends went into the city, um, and I tied up, you know, this discovery, I could be an artist, was tied up with my t first stint here in Berlin. And then the realization of that um, happened when I moved here and started to very, very slowly steep in that, in that idea over the three years, three and a half years since. And actually, uh, only re very recently, I met somebody and she said, ah, I've never met an artist like this before. And I, I thought, yeah, I'm an artist now. <laughs> you know, took a long time to s settle into that. And when I go home and it, it's, or elsewhere, you know, go and see old friends, it feels a bit odd. Uh, because my this city is is a home for that part of me for that new identity and it's very much bound up with that the the geography uh, that I'm that I'm here now and I'm an artist here now at last <laughs> um, because this is where it all began and this is the first community that I had that wasn't um, institutional that was purely artists and purely creatives where I felt maybe because I was just leaving home and going to a new place where you can maybe reinvent yourself a bit more easily, or maybe because of the, the rainbow magic in the Berlin water um, and all the chalk. Um, <laughs> it met, this was where that was able to happen. This was the city where all that was able to happen. So by coincidence or by engineering um, and magic, this is the home of, of my me as an artist. Well, I was lucky enough to inherit a musical community from my parents living in London because both of my parents are hardcore musicians. They would go out doing an open mic every single night of the week for years. And they've since also 
made their own Brexit to Portugal and moved there and started their own open mic community there. Neither of them speak Portuguese, but they just showed up with with instruments and said, music? And people went, yes. Um, so I kind of got to experience growing up what it's like to be an artist in London and what it's like to be traveling with people who will just make music wherever they are. And there's kind of two sides to what artistry looks like in that you have one side, which is the professional side. And so if you're looking at it from the perspective of what it means to be a professional paid artist, the benefit of being in somewhere that is aggressively business-minded about music, like London, means that you can actually cut into the music business quite easily. You're only ever about three people away from finding someone who can really get your career going. Here in Berlin, it's not necessarily different. It's just more in the music industry. It's more kind of techno and dancey as far as I can see. The genres are a little bit more closed than they are in in London, but the open mic night scene is a completely different thing. That's the other side of the dictomy where real artists are coming together, sharing their music. You can hear amazing original music in English, German, French, Turkish. There's such an international scene here. And that in that open mic night scene, everyone is incredibly supportive of each other. So there's less competition between artists. And for example, Today, Harry and I have just come from a writing session with a musician and everyone seems very open in a way that they wouldn't be in London, which is very welcoming and it's really precious. It's an incredibly precious thing to have. Yeah, I would say, um, I actually have no idea what I'm going to say, but um, what it is for me about the city that feels kind of like it, it really suits this artistic feel is is just the whole city itself has a rustic kind of rundown dilapidated you know bars get get turned around and turned into you know old old apartment blocks getting turned into bars and just this kind of thing I was always really drawn to that that aspect of it Um, especially in the summer like when it comes into the summer like all these outdoor spaces become places for for singing for dance for you know obviously Berlin's famous for its club scenes famous for 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 having huge dance parties and dance acts and and everything like that so i think probably the where at least three of us at least i'm not sure about the artistry that you do olivia but at least three of us are coming from this sort of like indie singer songwriter folk music kind of lens at least viewing viewing of this i'm very new to it like i feel having lived in london and brighton and dublin i don't know if it was just to do with the age I was at or what I was how much free time I had or didn't have I think that's kind of contributed to me feeling more integrated here do you know I probably could have found similar scenes but I think similar to what you said there Serafina I think like the the cultural diversity here and the openness and the supportiveness really seems there in Ireland for sure like there's a bit of begrudgery about people's levels of perceived success so like, oh, he's doing this fucking like or whatever, you know, it's all grand. Everyone's grand and let me buy you a pint and it's all great and <laughs> and laughing over the table. And then when you leave the room, they're like, what a, what an asshole, you know, there's a bit of that going on. Whereas I think here it's, it does seem to be a bit more accepting. Um, but again, that's just like, it just could be a complete projection. I don't know if I just, maybe I'm just in a, in a 
space in my life where I'm a bit more open now and less fearful. And that can be the whole thing. It's like your own lens, your own, how you view a situation is going to dictate how you view an entire country. Do you know what I mean? It could just be like, I'm around a table with people who I enjoy being around a table with. And that's enough to, for me to think, Berlin's amazing. Do you know, it could be, that, whereas if I found myself in a darker space, maybe where I felt I couldn't be open and open and honest and uh, maybe just at a younger age where I was less sure of myself or felt a little bit more insecure, that, that was probably making everywhere or anywhere that I lived a less desirable place to live, you know. So I don't know if it's just age or maturity or uh, openness or having done a little bit of emotional work to feel relieved from all that stuff or if indeed Berlin is, you know, I think it's a bit of both, obviously. But um, yeah, that'd be my that'd be my take. Hmm, being an artist in Berlin. I mean, that's like really where everyone wants to be. That's for sure. That's something I've heard a lot. Um, I was fortunate enough to do another residency for two months in the south of France, just about an hour outside of Toulouse. <laughs> And uh, it was it was uh, the first time. I mean, it's the first time that I'm in Berlin. The first time that I was in France, and and everything was really and it is still very exciting and uh, very interesting to kind of see the the differences and and just my perceived assumptions, I guess, of what it could have been like or what it would have been like without even thinking about it so much it's just it's of course it's there you know and then when you get there you're like wow okay it's different than I thought it would be um and I mean yeah I mean Berlin is just it feels quite overwhelming because there's so much to do and and I think especially now with the spring coming as well being here and uh, I can personally just feel like all this energy like I have way too much energy and I don't even know what to do with it so it's interesting to kind of really feel the city changing and again from the seasons um, and I'm interested in seeing how this explosion is going to be with summer and everything um, yeah and it's just there's so much I mean I just I'm blown away by all the options by all the museums by all the galleries by like all the openings and um, also just the generosity of, of the people in general. Like I've also felt that kind of real welcomeness and um, yeah, maybe it's also just the people I surround myself with or happen to find, you know, um, and, and it's also through friends of friends that we meet new friends, which is why I'm here and, and that's really nice and it feels quite nice to have that sense of like, hey, okay we know each other we kind of we have we understand we understand this yeah so it's very it's a it's a nice feeling to have that um especially you know being away from south africa for you know this time already so it's 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 a good it's a good thing yeah uh i was going to ask and maybe switch the conversation to uh less about a focus on being an artist in berlin and more the experience of just living in berlin walking down its various streets I always get a sense that nobody is in charge of the city. Whereas in a Parisian city, all the houses are the same color. You walk down a street in Berlin, every building is doing its own thing. Like nobody seems to be in charge. And there is a beauty to that. There is an openness to it, but there is also a danger to it. I'm not sure. What are your experiences of 
Berlin's coming together or separateness? Um, I So my experience so far has been having a chance to live in a couple of buildings, uh, you know, apartment block buildings. First of all, to say that there's there's just people living everywhere, which feels really good. So like back home in Dublin, in the city centre, all of the housing has been bought up by developers and stuff like that. And it's just gets turned into either office blocks or hotels. And like the, nobody lives above the shops in the middle of the city. And so there's just like boarded up, you know, windows. And I find that really, really disheartening because obviously like Berlin, Dublin has a really intense rental crisis. At least here, even though they also have a rental crisis, you feel that every most of the spaces, or at least it feels like the spaces are being occupied. When you walk down the street, it's like there's a density. You feel the, the people living on the street. That feels really nice. But this new space, or this place I've been living in for the last year and a half, I think like with COVID, everybody became really insulated and kind of skeptical of each other and a bit like, you know, weird and avoidant. And the guy, there's a guy who lives in my apartment block who's lived there for, for 20 years. And he's a, he's a Portuguese man and, and his name's Gustavo. And he's just like, he's seen it all in this building. And he's like, oh yeah, these people, they used to be there. Yeah, he, he moved over. But then this guy, they don't talk anymore. Uh, I used to have a really good relationship with him. And, you know, and he has this whole like set of stories. But he did this most beautiful thing, what you're talking about, about people just taking, taking matters into their own hands. He, in the midst of the pandemic, he just started putting plants in the courtyard. This is an empty gray courtyard. And he just started putting a few plant pots down. And then it kind of just expanded, expanded. He kept doing it. And then he kind of would encourage you, like, if anything you want to put down here. There was this weird reaction, like some, some of the kind of more German people were like, what are you doing? This isn't, this isn't proper. You can't, you know, you can't do this. And then the other people kind of found it really, I, I personally, I found it so beautiful. I'd come home after a day and last summer and he'd like, He'd really nicely arranged the plants and he put pots and it kind of kind of gives you this really nice entrance into your apartment block. And then he'd even light candles all the way through the winter. He'd light candles like just randomly in the in thing. I just feel that feels so, so nice. But he was telling me he was doing it. He's like, I'm doing this because I'm fighting against the fear. You know, there's so much fear. People are so uptight. They're so caught up with the news. They're so caught up with the way the world's going on. And I just want to just inject a little bit of love into the space, you know. And I think that's so beautiful, you know. Can we borrow Gustavo for our buildings? Or is he, <laughs> is he rentable? Or I can get him down, yeah. Well, you know, it's just like, I feel like the last couple of years has, it definitely has exasperated um, tensions between people. I think, you know, either you take a side on things, political issues, and, and it's, it's, it's been interesting to be an observer of that, noticing uh, how, how, how people have, become so easily compliant with new things and don't question it and you know it's not to say it's not to bring in a whole like discussion about what's right or wrong or left or right or all that kind of stuff but I did notice you know people really becoming quite closed in the last couple of years and that's my only experience of Berlin I moved here in March 2020 so I, I watched people go from like this solidarity feeling to just weird you know waves of like oh it's okay or oh, it's not okay and then extreme fear and protectiveness and isolating and yeah so I think th especially in this city where you have that contrast of order and chaos so apparent it's like German society is is an orderly place you know people follow the rules but Berlin is like 
no, no, no. We're going to just mess that up. It just turned on its head. So Berlin has that beautiful, weird mixture of chaos and order going on, I think. I would say that also architecture really shapes people's mindsets because in Berlin, although you do have this chaos, which comes mostly from the fact that it's incredibly multicultural. So there's a lot of difference and a kind of melting pot of these things happening. The actual architecture of the buildings, we have these courtyards, whereas in the UK, everything is either facing the street or facing off the street. So you don't interact with your neighbors at all. And here in Berlin, sometimes there's things like a children's street where they're allowed to play and cars can't pass and neighbors will look out for each other's kids and there's a lot more community which is quite interesting for a city because normally cities tend to be a little bit more closed off you don't know your neighbors this kind of thing whereas when I moved to Berlin I found that I was expected to know my neighbors my first day I was introduced to my housemeister so the person who looks after my building and he gave me his personal number we had coffee and then I met my neighbors and then at Christmas my neighbors and I exchanged presents and we have much more of a sense of community that's not to say that that's the case for everyone who comes here because your reality is sculpted by the eyes that you're seeing through. So if you don't want to get to know your neighbors, you won't have that experience. But in Berlin, there's more potentiality for that, especially because if you're walking through a courtyard, someone looking out the window is going to see you, you know, a few times a week. And then they're going to go, oh, I, I've seen him with a guitar. Or maybe he plays guitar. And, and you'll get to kind of have a story. And I think that's the interesting thing about the architecture here is that it gives people the opportunity to learn each other's stories in a way that the architecture of other cities just doesn't. Um, speaking, just kind of following up on that point about these kind of contradictions, you know, these, um, these spaces of conflicts, I think um, I recall a certain incident, I think, I can't remember which station it was on the U8, and somebody had not bought a ticket and one of the ticket inspectors came and was giving them a fine for having not bought a ticket. But right next to them, people were shooting up heroin. And I was watching this scene, and I was like, what is going on? Uh, it's similar to if you go to most of the parks in Berlin, there are people selling drugs next to children playing soccer. And it's, it's, it's that, that chaos and that order coexisting and I'm never sure if it's um, a happy, uh, sweet spot. Um, I'm sure we've all experienced the amount of conflicts and microaggressions that happen in, super, uh, in supermarkets. Uh, that is a war zone. Um, I'm not sure where you shop, but Edeka, uh, next to Bodingshaus, there are human rights violations occurring every day. Um, but uh, how, how do you think that Germans or Berliners resolve that that awkwardness. What, what Anissa is referring to there is what I would call the Aldi eyes. It's where you, what they call the employees, are scanning super, super fast, way too fast for you to even start reacting. And then suddenly you've got like 20 items in front of you and they're saying, Carter? So you're paying and then they're stuck in scanning the next person's items and everyone in the queue behind you is just giving you the Aldi eyes. And it's not quite stink eye and it's not, there's no, there's no empathy involved. It's just a very subtle, um, but very pressurizing glare, and you really feel it. Um, but it's an interesting insight into Germanness, 
right? What you're talking about, we're talking about German order and German chaos or German order versus international chaos. Um, we're talking about community, but our artist community um, that we all know each other through and that we move in is a bubble. It's like a, a very small, very, um, it's a very small bubble with a very thick skin almost. And, uh, and so we do live in this contrast between, okay, well, what is, what is, what is the Germanness of this place? And we often sort of posit ourselves in contrast to that. There's a lot of German bashing going on. Um, I wonder if the, but then, you know, also what, what is Germanness? Because also in, in, in Berlin, you've got um, so many sort of second or third generation uh, immigrant communities who um, have some Turkish descent and have some or, or Arabic or, or Af uh, African from, you know, all kinds of different places in the world. Um, and, and it's Afro-German and it's Turkish-German and it's Arabic-German. Um, so it's very, th this sort of contrast that we draw between ourselves, are they being super German or this, all of this cleanness and neatness is their Germanity. Is, is, there to be, is there to be broken down, you know, because um, some of the, the wilderness of this place is, I feel like it's like a, sometimes a carnival for people to get away from wherever they're coming from, whether it's Stuttgart, sort of stuffy uh, Stuttgart, or the UK, or um, Turkey, whatever. And I think people bring some of that projection here and they say, this is carnival Germany. And the Germans do it as well, you know? Um, it's yeah it's something we have to be very wary of I think especially as as, as immigrants as, as as privileged immigrants to a certain extent um, and as artists in artist communities how do we make it our home and also how do we sort of respect the home for the people that were already here when we came here um, <laughs> Naniso is scoffing at that um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a constant conversation. I mean, I'm just blown away by the U-Bahn and the buses and the trams and everything. And I'm like, look at it go. And you can just get on and you can just get off anywhere and it's going to be all right. And it doesn't matter if you miss this one or you go to the wrong direction. It's, it's like this insane amount of freedom that I've never felt and, and just independence of moving around and going to all these places and, and not knowing even where you're going and the excitement of that and it being I would say relatively safe city you know compared to what I've heard and you know I don't know what uh, other um, you know the UK for instance I don't know London what that's like um, but I mean, Cape Town is, and Johannesburg is. It's a it's a tricky space, you know. It's not a, it's not the easiest, not the safest um, always. And so it's it's just interesting to kind of, you know, come back, you know, go back home very late at night, early morning on my own, and feel okay. It's like the weirdest weirdest sensation, um, but it's amazing. And I mean, yeah, uh, I think. That's something that I definitely don't take for granted, and I think it's so special. Um, and and I think there's something to that. And I I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough um, other big cities in Europe to know what it's like. Um, but yeah. 
I just wanted to clarify, uh, as a fellow South African as well, we do have buses and trams <laughs> in South Africa, right? We, we don't we have <laughs> trams. No, we don't have... Where are the trams? Trams! No. My, my imagined South Africa there are. Um, but we definitely have buses and trains. Um, um, I will give a, a little quick anecdote that I hope to maybe help shift the, the conversation and also leads it to what we spoke about. Um, when I... I had a British driving license that expired, and I was required to go to the what's the bureaucracy place, the Un- Burger Ant, the Burger Burger Mat, um, and to get it was a special office to get a German driving license that translates or transfers it from an international one into a German one, and I went there and I told them, and they were like, "No, you have to say it in German." <laughs> And that's the place is for international people. So I went home and I wrote it down. Google translated it, and then I brought it the the written words. And they said, "No, you have to read it out aloud." And I don't speak a word of German, so it did not make any sense for me in a public space to have to read German when it was written right there. And the most infuriating part of the whole thing is she was talking to me in English. And I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is Berlin seems to be holding so tightly onto itself for fear that it might be letting go. And I, I'm not sure if how that's going to be resolved. Is it The result is that the, we get a lot of burnt cars in different neighborhoods struggling with gentrification. We have a city that seems constantly in conflict, at war with itself, and it's just unresolved. And it's just looking for guidance in a world that is increasingly distorted. So I just want to quickly say to that as well, this is a, while I was in the south of France, I was trying to, of course, learn some French because, you know, and uh, I had this phrase saying, I'm so sorry, my French is really bad, you speak English, and they really loved it. They were like, oh, this is so cute, you know, and poor shame, poor thing, she can't really... Can you just say it for the listeners, oh. please? Uh, je suis désolé, moi français est très mauvais, parlez-vous anglais <laughs> in thank, German? thank you, YouTube. And then German. Entschuldigung, mein Deutsch ist sehr schlecht. Sprechen Sie English? And then they get angry. They get so upset. They were. I've had. I've actually. Yeah. Like it was so funny. I. I phoned the police. Don't like. Let's not get into that story. I phoned the police. Um, just a minor thing. And um, and I then said this to the guy over the phone, the officer, and he got so angry. He started shouting to me in German and saying, "You're in Germany. You should speak German." I'm like, and then I just, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to Afrikaansbrot. Can you Afrikaansbrot?" And I can Afrikaansbrot. Is it makkelijker? And then he was just like, "Quiet." Olivia's just telling us how many languages she speaks. No, 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 no. And so he's just like, there was this dead quiet over the phone. And then I was like, so do you speak English? And he was like, mm, yes. But he was so angry. And I was like, okay, lesson learned. Don't don't even try. Don't even use that phrase. It's no, Leave it. Leave it. Ignore. Um, just start with my like Google Translate, trying to read from Google Translate. Or just speak Afrikaans. Like, but, you know, that like I had that and that seems to work better. So I have to say, I actually do speak German, but... I used to work for the Senate as a nursery teacher, so I had to. Um, And the bureaucracy here is kind of, like has been said, is the gift that keeps on taking. Um, Because Germans really hold on to that bureaucracy. And when I first moved here, I could do the German bureaucratic thing, but the 
person who was registering at my apartment spoke no German whatsoever. And so I went with them to get them registered, which is also an incredible loop in that you have to, in order to get an apartment, you have to have what's called a Schufa, which is a proof of your money, which usually has to come through a German bank account, which you can't have unless you have a German address and you can't have a German address without a German bank account. So it's this impossible loop that you're trying to jump into. But having navigated that chaos, we got to the appointment and they said, you didn't, to the partner, to the person I was moving in with, you didn't say that you needed a translator. And so I said, he does, I'm here, I can do it. And they said, no, you'll have to book another appointment because we didn't register you with an appointment that requires a translator. So in that moment, I did something that completely flabbergasted this man so much that he didn't know what to do. And I just went, don't worry, I'll do the paperwork. I literally leant over the desk, took the paperwork, filled it out in German for the person, handed it over the desk and was like, there you go, just sign it. And he was so shocked that he signed it. And that's how I got my housemate registered because I was just like, well, I know that you're a German and I know that it's impossible for you to break your own rule. So I'm gonna break it for you and let you feel innocent in this moment. And that's the only way I have seen to make a German do something that's outside the rules is just do it for them. Yeah, I would just speak to the kind of gentrification piece that you brought up there and Aniso. I just think like, I mean, it's just like a problem across the world. It doesn't matter where you are. Everybody, everybody under a certain age wants to live in a city, want to be in a metropolitan sort of place, happening place, you know what I mean? And that's that's going to just be the problem of, of generations to come. But you do feel it pretty stark here, the kind of constant upgrading of the, that dilapidation. Certain people, has some of that dilapidation has a, has a charm, you know, you, you kind of want that. And then when it's all new and swanky and... And like looking futuristic, it's it suddenly starts to become a bit more bland. It's a bit oh, suddenly it's like the high street in in another German city or another European city. It's just, it loses that, you know. I love the way in Berlin you go like, especially around Neukölln around here. There's just cobblestones and foot footmen, foot pavements that are just completely <laughs> all over the place. If you had that in Ireland, you'd have like people just tripping over and then suing the council. Do you know what I mean? Like if that's, that's that's like if there's one like that Sioux culture that came, comes from America where it's like if there's like something slightly out of whack and you just happen to like trip over it, people genuinely like they go after the government here. Whereas here it's just like it's weird, like yeah, the, the ground is like <laughs> such a mess, cobblestones everywhere that are just like completely displaced. And I like that. That's kind of got a cool feel about it. But definitely like I don't know the problem of trying to find a place here, the problem of getting you know when you initially come here you got to ask someone to get you an anmeldung and all that kind of stuff but then yeah just like literally a housing problem that is just so stark fueled by demand like high demand people want to live in this city and they want to be inside of the ring ban you know and it's like so there's only so many houses you can have and and that, that i find that quite distressing it seems a lot like i'm in that situation now where in within the next three or four months I have to move house again and yeah it's stressful it's really stressful and I don't have being an artist I don't have like my biggest fear is to be not biggest fear but a big a big fear of mine is like 
I turn up at a house where uh, showing and there's 30 people there and like most of them have loads of cash like like they have so much more of a backing and essentially it kind of comes down to like who's the most easy to deal with and as an as an expat from Ireland who's an artist it's like mm, yeah you don't you know you're, you're down the bottom of the list so uh, hopefully there'll be some kind of way to work it out but you know what I mean like that anxiety of not just like your basic Maslow hierarchy of needs you know shelter bottom the most the most basic thing you need is like a place to live it doesn't have to be swanky but like even just finding somewhere that doesn't have you so isolated like if I wanted to get something like way outside the ring band sure but then I found I'm, I'm an hour away from from here or like I couldn't cycle here easily it's like I want to be able to cycle anywhere I can within 20 minutes half an hour max if you start going to 40 minutes it's like you know you don't feel part of the city so much um, I think yeah I like what you said about the conflicts the inner conflicts that it has and gentrification what Harry's just been talking about is and as any of the conflicts I think or many of them the front line in Germany of that conflict gentrification is you know, Berlin is the place where English in cultural circles, for example, is overtaking German as a language. Um, <laughs> and that's why English is such a... Speaking English and not being able to speak German is a very sore spot for a lot of people. It's, um, there's, there's, and then there's the inner conflict, of course, of general immigration and anti-immigration sentiment, um, which has its own character in Germany. Um, but it's a different issue. If you turn up from Turkey and you only speak Turkish it will be treated very differently from if you're turning up from any country in the world and you only speak English because English has that, it, it hits a nerve because of this anxiety about sort of losing itself. And and that might be even, a, a this English versus German might be considered a pawn in the bigger game of the conflict between what Germany is now and how it wants to see itself. And that's a really interesting conflict that I think, again, you see a lot of in Berlin because Germany wants to see itself as a really liberal place that uh, sponsors the arts, that uh, fights for civil rights, that um, is a liberal voice in Europe and in the world. But you've got a huge history and present of Nazism and a growing problem of that now. And I saw this incredible poster um, it's getting very niche here, but it's it's a an exhibition of the artists from the group called Die Brücke, and then it says, "Well, we're going to question this in a postcolonial from a postcolonial lens." And I just thought to myself, "Well," and I think it's in the Humboldt Forum as well, which is this incredible like colonial style new build to the cost of billions, right in the middle of Mitte. I think it was there, but wherever it was, it's this thing where I looked at it and thought, "Well, a lot of these." Uh, institutions, the art institutions, cultural and governmental institutions are talking the talk, superficially painting themselves as one thing with making a post-colonial uh, investigation of what Die Brücke did. But you're, ex you're exhibiting these 100-year-old white male artists. I like the work of Die Brücke, but it, it, this, this poster really illustrated this um, for me and it was, it was a slight absurd uh, meeting of those two things and, and um, 
yeah, that's all I've got to say about the matter, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tail off. Um, Berlin is the only capital city in the entire world that is a drain on its national economy, um, which is, is fascinating. Um, but I think it also, and obviously creates certain problems. Do you get a sense, especially if you drive around Mitte, the center uh, of Berlin, that there are a lot of dilapidated and empty buildings? Uh, if, you, if you really look at them, they're just empty. They're not used at all. And the windows are blown out, they're burnt. In the capital city, like maybe 200 meters from Alexanderplatz. And there's a quote that says, uh, speaking of Berlin, that Berlin is simply a corpse upon which we are techno-dancing to. <laughs> um, it is a very dramatic quote, um, but um, I'm not going to say who it's by, because um, I can't Many remember. Maybe so it's by. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, and yeah, it's in a sense that it is this haven, but it is, it's a dying city. Uh, in a sense, no one, there's no industry here. Um, that's maybe why artists flock to it, but increasingly it's getting too expensive for artists. So where do we go? Do we, we cannot go west. We have to keep going east. Where is the next Berlin? I would say that the industries coming up right now are more of a rebirth. We might have already had that death. And now things like the fashion industry, the music industry to some extent are showing a rebirth but it's not for Germans it's not for the country it's being exported a lot of what's happening in Berlin is being exported whereas before if you go to the south of Berlin there there used to be a lot of factories that were doing things like pharmaceutical things and things to do with breweries and now all these breweries have become very niche and dentrified and they're all about you know, we're just going to make for our local community. And Berlin isn't really feeding back into Germany. What it's doing is it's going on an international scale with some things. And then that doesn't feed back into Germany. That feeds back into sometimes investors from other countries. And so there are new industries that are cropping up here, but they're not paying back into Germany. And I think that definitely sponsors why there is this odd feeling of paranoia with Germans, of our city is being stolen, our, our capital is no longer here, it's Munich. Munich is where the money is being made. And Berlin is just a load of people from other countries partying hard and destroying the streets. And to some extent that is true, but there are industries here as well. It's just that they're being shipped elsewhere. But a quick note on that, Berlin has never been an economic powerhouse it, you know, for at least 50 years. I mean, um, I can't really speak to before that, but, you know, with all the, the Iron Curtain being here um, and the chaos and the, the air bridge and stuff, Berlin has been a drain for, for many, many decades. So it's, this is not a modern change that we're seeing. Um, this is the, the strange paradoxical nature of the place. And Munich has always been where the money is being made. Um, and the, the Western uh, Rhineland and... Uh, Westphalia region is always where the real industry has happened. So uh, Berlin has always existed in this strange island-like space in the German consciousness, maybe arguably, and I'm riffing here, but going back to even look at the, the uh, Weimar era, which is so 
well mythologized and and documented um where it had a again still a poor but sexy kind of uh reputation and maybe going even back further before german unification it was it was prussia uh and just one of many kingdoms you know so it's never uh really been a powerhouse capital and maybe that's just the way that it became a capital was just a bit odd you know and, and um it's it's unlike other places where say in london um a lot of industry was happening in london or other uh, other capital cities um which were made capitals for their uh, economic heft germany went a different way and it's always been more of a symbolic uh you know it's been chosen that for its uh, symbolism of west meets east uh, of um its cultural interest of the sort of the, the wild hearts that, that have been attracted here for so long. No, I definitely uh, like that comment that you made, Jim. And I think uh, I would like to meet the person that designed Schoenefeld Airports and designed in a way that you had to walk through Burger King to get to your terminal, <laughs> which I was always <laughs> um, So we're going to move towards the, the final segment of this kind of discussion, which uh, is a topic that I know that some of us in the group might uh, be really interested in, dating in Berlin. Um, we all have various and interesting uh, dating experiences. Uh, I think a lot of people come here for the techno uh, and stay for the dating. Um, actually, with the tagline for uh, Berlin. Um, what have been your experiences of uh, romantic relationships in Berlin? So just for reference, Naniso is pointing both microphones at me because I'm polyamorous, so I double down. Um, here in Germany, so we obviously have Bumble and Tinder, but we also have Feed, which is a an app for maybe more kinky people who are less interested in having a relationship and more sharing kinks and the BDSM world and this kind of thing. The beautiful thing about Berlin is that there is a lot of sex positivity here, which is wonderful because people can express themselves and there's less shame around kinks and there's such wide and open expat sex positive communities as well as German sex positive communities and you can come here mostly of any language and find other people who speak your language who you can have great consent forward conversations with before you get really kinky and that's beautiful however the expectation that people have when they come here is often that you know they're only interested in having a one night stand and that's pretty easy to come by in Berlin Naniso is questioning that. <laughs> However, despite Naniso's bad luck, that is mostly the case, as I have seen. It's nothing to do with you, baby. It's just luck. But I can also say that I have watched the, the other side of the world. So for me, I'm polyamorous. I tend to be, I'm demisexual as well. So I tend to be not looking for one night stands. I tend to be more interested in relationships. However, my girlfriend is slaying on this city and she can confirm that it's very easy to come by a one night stand. If you want to have a beautiful consent forward experience with someone for one night, Berlin is the place to be. So if you want to hook up, come here. And my response to that is I feel like I came here with zero experience of anything about being in a 
healthy consent forward com- like relationship of just one after another of, of, of just toxic fumbling around and not understanding how to be honest about what I desired, what I wanted. And then I found myself at a poetry workshop online last year and I actually met Serafina. And now I'm part of a some, I'm a fr- I feel like a fringe member of the polyamorous community because I'm not actually, you know, fully in, 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 in involved in it. But it definitely, I don't know, it's probably pretty niche, but it feels... Like, whenever you say, oh, I'm in a polyamorous thing, people are like, oh, yeah, that's so Berlin. But I think, like, <laughs> but I think, like, there's a difference between, like, doing doing that in a sort of, like, non-committal way because you just are completely terrified of commitment and then this other thing of, like, no, I'm actually really interested in, like, <laughs> having really difficult work of, like, being honest. Like, I come from Ireland. Ireland is, like, some of the most, like, just complete lack of any understanding of how to communicate emotions or communicate anything the dating scene in ireland is it's just so awkward and so fumbled and, and messy but i think yeah my my loose uh interactions with people here again it could just be my where i'm at at this point but it seems like put yourself out there a bit more vulnerably and it comes back in a really nice way do you know if you actually say what you want it's, it's a high chance that actually might come to you so that's the only thing got to be prepared for that oh I don't know if I was actually wanting that thing I said I wanted oh god okay I guess I'm doing it now <laughs> for every polyamorous person listening here's a little pun for you he's not fringe he's just not yet a hinge that is usually someone who's the middle point between two metamors so if you're dating two people you're the hinge between two people um, so Harry will work up to being a hinge at some point. We're rooting for it. Um, but at the moment, you're not fringe. You're just not a, yet a hinge. I'm recently single and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, um, like, what is it? Maybe a month? It's been a month, I think. Yeah. So, you know, I took some time, obviously, feel the emotions, went through the emotions. And then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm feeling great. <laughs> Let's see what's Berlin all about. So, um... <laughs> then Nisa, why are you rubbing your hands <laughs> like a little fly on a windowsill, just <laughs> waiting for the fruit to come out the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, it's been good. It's been good fun. Um, can't complain. All just been really great experiences and um, excited to to actually see the nightclubs because I haven't been and I know and they've opened up. I just haven't been able to go. So I am looking forward to experiencing that because I've heard a lot. Um, but yeah, funny funny thing is I this is slightly a bit more serious, I guess, maybe I have I am and I have always been interested in this topic of love and how, um, you know, it's almost like frivolous in terms of the art world. It's not very serious. It's kind of looked down upon and uh, a little bit uh, airy-fairy. And so, um, yeah, but I've been, I've been really, like, interested in this whole idea of what is love and how do we actually generate this and, and what your neighbor was doing with the plants. And the, that is love. And that is, like, I feel like we need that even more, especially now with all everything that's been going on and, like, you know, of course, part of love is also having fun and, and flirting. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not the deep love that you really want to or can feel. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, that, that feeling, um, this excitement and this, 
I really, I just like you for some reason, right? And and I think we need to somehow generate a bit more of that. And I, I really like the story of of your neighbor. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, in terms of the art community and and being an artist and how we can almost kind of generate a bit more of that. And and I think for me personally in my practice, that's something that I would like to work towards um, during my time here because it's always very serious stuff that I work with. But <laughs> I feel like let's let's spread the love, you know. Is Gustavo single as well? <laughs> I think he is, Gustavo, if you're listening. We have a girl for you. I'm not going to give you any salacious details. Is that, you got, got me onto the pod for that? My, my, a gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. But there was kissing. <laughs> um, but okay, we, uh, we don't need to uh, stick there, but we are, as is our tradition, we finished the podcast with a quick game, uh, agree or disagree. Uh, for those of you who have never played it before or heard it before, it entails me listing uh, a quote, and then we quickly go around and you simply say agree or disagree. And afterwards, we can have a, a slight, you know, debate, argument, fight, squabble, uh, scrimmage about uh, why you said agree or disagree. Uh, for listeners, if you don't, if you haven't heard of that game before, uh, it's because he made it up five minutes ago. <laughs> no, we, we we do play the game uh, every every podcast, but the only uh, difference this time is that I don't have quotes prepared. Uh, I am just going to uh, say statements. For any previous listeners, you can judge how valuable these statements are compared to like world-renowned historians and Naniso. So we'll just shove a giant pedestal underneath him and see how well he does. Okay, all right. So um, a lot of pressure. So uh, the first uh, quote, uh, statement, Berlin is the greatest city in the world. Disagree. Disagree. Agree? Why not? Yeah, I'm going to go with agree. (laughs) I would say that there isn't a useful rhetoric behind that statement. So best for what? (laughs) Best if I want to meet strangers and get drunk with them? Sure, great. Best for easy to walk across pavements? No, so I wouldn't agree with that statement. Yeah, I just, I'm a homebird, you know? Hearing, even though I've been here and I love it here, for me personally, my best, the best city is Dublin, Ireland, where I'm from. Which you just spent about 50 minutes slagging off. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, I'm going to say it is the greatest city on earth um, because that's what I feel. And what I feel, nobody can say anything against that because it's my feeling. And uh, this is the place where I embraced my self-obsession and um, subjectivity. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I feel about Berlin. I've never lived in any other big city. I don't intend to. I think that I've got my stint here and then I'm going to go to some little seaside village and raise goats. And uh, Berlin can stay in this charmed space in my imaginary forever. Greatest city on earth, kids. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to follow... What do, what do I even say? There's nothing to say, like, exactly what you said. Like, let's just go with that. Um, the following quote is actually inspired by Jim. Um, Berlin is either the city on the cutting edge of fashion or it is the city <laughs> where people walk around in pyjamas the whole day. Jim is currently doing both. Jim, <laughs> <laughs> do you agree with yourself? <laughs> Wait. That doesn't give a simple agree or disagree answer. 
now that I think about it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's either or, either or. Uh, for this round, we're playing either or. <laughs> cutting edge or pajamas? <laughs> I'm going to go with cutting edge. I'm cutting edge. So that'll do for me. It'd be really annoying and say cutting edge pajamas because that's what I'm seeing. Everyone's in cutting edge pajamas. Everyone dresses comfortably. Have you noticed how in office blocks, everyone's walking in in like track suits and t-shirts and things like that? It's all cutting edge pajamas, loving it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some interesting outfits and uh, I admire them and I think that's, that's great. So let's go with cutting edge. Final question, because I'm running out of statements. Um, in five years time, Berlin will dot, 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 please finish the sentence. This game's changing completely. <laughs> Every round is a different thing. Disagree. <laughs> it will still be full of all the people who say, yeah, just give me another 18 months and then I'll, I'll be off somewhere else. Those people will all still be here with a little bit more gray and a little bit more jaded. I think Berlin will invent the negative beanie. Because every, <laughs> every year I've been here, people wear beanies and they get smaller and smaller. They're just folding them over and over. Currently, Naniso is sporting this look. <laughs> but the beanies shrink further and further. And so I believe that Berlin will invent the negative beanie. How do you even, how do you even answer this? In, five, in the next five years, Berlin will still be here. It's an optimistic. I think it's possible Berlin could be its own country. Oh, I like that. I like Jump that. back in history. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the capital? Um, das Gift. Yeah, Das Gift. <laughs> can, you sing the, can you sing the national anthem? Of Das Gift. Of uh, Berlin, the country, at Das Gift. <laughs> I don't know. That's terrible. I'm sorry, Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Berlin, I didn't want to stay here. I'm only here for the home-brewed beer. Wow, okay. Round of applause to that. I thought you were going to say, I'm only here for the drugs. Okay, um, on that note, uh, we draw the end to the, uh, to the podcast. I would like to thank all the participants. I'd like to thank Steve, who's going to be editing uh, this podcast. Uh, and I'd also like to thank Das Gift for uh, hosting and sponsoring this podcast. And they are a wonderful home for different artistic projects. And once again, thank you for participating. You've all been great. Uh, and I hope that um, Berlin is kind to you.